Hey guys, and welcome to the Money Talks News Podcast. This episode, we're talking about setting goals and actually accomplishing them. We've all heard the dismal statistics. Most people who set New Year's resolutions abandon them by February. What gives? Why is it so hard for us to follow through on our goals? And most important, what can we do to succeed this time? Let's find out. I'm Stacey Johnson. As usual, my co-host is financial journalist Miranda Marquit. Hello, Miranda. Hello, Stacy. Let's uh, let's start this new year off kind of right. Let's do this. I am so anxious. I love this topic. Listening in, sometimes contributing is our producer, Aaron Freeman. Hey, Aaron. I was just going to say that goals, goals, goals. If you're a subscriber to the show, Stacy talks about them all. I, the well, time. I think they're really important, and that's what we brought on a special guest this week. It's Dr. Brad Klotz, psychologist, professor, and managing principal of Your Mental Wealth. Hello, Brad. Welcome. Glad to be here. Thanks for having me. We are delighted to have you. He's going to help us understand why we sometimes get in our own way when it comes to money and how to build financial health. Before we start the show, remember, this is not intended as financial advice. Before you make any money moves, you always do your own research. You consult your own experts. Okay, let's dive in. In the first part of our show today, we're going to talk about why we so often fail to achieve our financial goals. In the second part, we're going to talk about specific steps you can take to make your dreams your reality. So I made some bold promises there for you, Brad. I hope you're going to be able to deliver on them. I'm a little nervous. <laughs> my Tell us a little bit about yourself before we get started. So I am a, um, a strange bird. I'm a clinical psychologist who got really interested in the psychology of money after I got out of graduate school owing $100,000 in student loan debt and um, sort of desperate to get out of it. I took up some day trading. I saw a friend of mine make $100,000 day trading in a year. I thought, what a brilliant strategy for me to get out of debt. I know how um, this is going to so, end. Yeah, well, <laughs> I always like to say I had a few good months, Stacy. <laughs> um, and then the tech bubble burst and I was left there with these terrible decisions and the consequences and wondering, the question I had for myself is why would a reasonably intelligent person do something so stupid with his money? And that is what led me um, on my career over the last 20 years trying to figure that out. So you're both a psychologist and a money manager. That's right. Yeah, I started as a clinical psychologist and um, doing lots of consulting in the field over about 10 years. And then I went ahead and got my CFP and um, moved into that part of the industry. Now, the, you know, it's funny because I was going to say that's that's a really unusual combo. And it, and, it, and it is in my experience, but it really shouldn't be because a lot of how we end up financially is because of our mental state, isn't it? It's totally true. And actually... Um, I am a CFP, Certified Financial Planner Practitioner, and the board just came out and are, is requiring 7% of the exam to now be psychology of financial planning. They, we recognize it as a profession that um, it's one of the biggest factors in whether we succeed or not is, is what is our mindset around money. Yeah, and I wanted to talk to you about that too. I was, I was checking, checking you out a little bit before you came on the show today. I noticed something on your website called Money Scripts. What, what is a Money Script? Yeah, money script is the word we use to describe your beliefs around money. And we use the word script because quite often our beliefs around money were passed down to us from our parents, our grandparents, our great-grandparents. And it's a script for many of us that's unconscious and we just sort of play it out. Um, and that's one of the things that I've done a lot of research on are your beliefs around money predict your income, your net worth, your credit card debt, uh, the socioeconomic status you grew up in, all sorts of things. And so that's been a big part of uh, my journey as an individual and me helping other people is trying to really uncover what are these beliefs that we have around money that for many of us are unconscious, that we've inherited, that are playing out in our lives around money. 
You know, Brad, I wrote a book 20 years ago called Life or Debt. And in that book, um, I recounted how my parents who grew up in the Depression thought about money and how it translated to me. And, and one of them, you know, there are several, okay, like, for example, a biblical term. Uh, it's easier for a camel to pass through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to gain entrance to the kingdom of God. And so we, we get messages like this. And the message, my dad grew up dirt poor. And the message he gave me was, if you've got a lot of money, you cheated to get it. Either you inherited or you did something shifty. You know, he was always you're mad at the government type person. You know, they, 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 these board people on the county board, they know when a freeway is going to come in and they buy the land up, you know. So everybody who was rich was suspect. And that's kind of the, what I brought into my life. Is, is that the kind of thing you're talking about when you say money script? Yeah, psychologists were very well known for um, making discoveries that people already knew. Um, and so to your point, uh, we would call that money avoidance in our research. It's beliefs like rich people are greedy, money corrupts, there's virtue in having less money. That's one of the four main categories we found. And um, it, it's really common belief within lower socioeconomic groups. I grew up lower income. It's like, I didn't know any rich people. It actually made me feel better about not having money to sort of pin that negative view of them um, on them. And of course, there's always examples of, of rich people doing terrible things. I mean, uh, you don't have to look very far, but that's only part of the story. Um, so we're, we're looking to get more of a balanced view. And it's true that some rich people are greedy, nasty individuals, and some do great things in the world. And I always encourage my followers and people who read my books to become one of those really good rich people who do great things in the world. So, well, okay, let, let's get back to some brass tacks here. Miranda and Aaron have totally failed at, at, at doing their financial goals. They don't set them. They don't accomplish them. They're just a mess. Why is that, Brad? Why why can't these two get their acts together? It's human nature. I, I do not blame either one of them. I, I'm um, blaming them, just, but I'm blaming them right now. It's their yes, fault. Yes, yes. <laughs> I'm going to let them off the hook a little bit. We're just wired to not do that. I mean, this, this is the way human beings are wired. And um, a lot of our financial behaviors make sense if you look at it through the context of our prehistoric ancestors running around in a group of 100 to 150 people. The whole concept of saving is um, goes against our biology. Like we really couldn't save a whole lot. Like for example, food, it would spoil. So you eat as much as you possibly can. You know, the more fat, the more sugar, the better. And I think this, we're wired to not do that around saving too. We're wired to be present focused, worried about today, not worrying about the future. And so I think it's actually abnormal to um, ha be really great at setting and achieving financial goals. Did you hear that, you guys? You're not abnormal. <laughs> I, I was just picturing every one of his clients coming in and getting a financial advice, but they have to do it laying on a couch. <laughs> that, that sounds awesome to me, as a matter of fact. I mean, I, that actually sounds great. We should do this podcast great. laying on a couch. I've got one right here. I've got one right back here. Um, no, uh, no, but I, I really like that because I think a lot of the time, uh, we, we beat ourselves up, right? And and Aaron and I were talking about how, well, I don't know Aaron specifically, but I was talking about how I don't actually set specific New Year's resolutions. I have plans for my money. I have, a, you know, I have the spending plan. I have the plans for my money. I have the things that I want my money to accomplish for me. Um, and that's kind of how I look at it. But I don't set uh, specific New Year's resolutions uh, because... Um, because to me, it just feels very arbitrary, and it's and and you feel the sense of failure when you're done, and and when you when you can't accomplish this lofty goal. And so I find being able to say, okay, let's let's dial it back. Let's have some aims and some goals and some and, and some good solid like ideas to move forward. But do it with the idea that okay, if I fall behind, if something weird happens, I can start again tomorrow. 
and not well, be a know, total I've been, failure. I've been doing this for decades, Brad, and I keep coming back to the same thing. Uh, I don't have your background, obviously, but I've thought about, because I, I, I used to be an investment advisor, you know, and, and I guess to some extent still am. But, what, but I'm always trying to motivate people to do the right thing. We're trying to motivate ourselves to do the right thing. But why is it, it makes no sense to me that you'll, you'll go, here's what I want. I want to save up a down payment for a house or whatever it is, whatever goal. And then you don't do it. If it's important to you, why aren't we doing the things we want to do? What, what's keeping us from it? I don't understand it. Yeah, well, um, first of all, it's a fascinating question. And um, we've done some studies to try to get people to save more money. So I can share with you some of the things that we've done. Um, and we, we put people in a room and we increased their savings rates by 73% after one hour by doing what I'm about to, to share with you. Um, we, again, we're not wired to think about the future. And um, one of the big problems with you know New Year's resolutions, and if you've ever joined a gym, what they get you on is the automatic drip, right? So it, it's automation. They're going to go take that money out of your account every single month. Automation is such an incredibly powerful force that you can be used for good in your financial life. So what I encourage people to do, get really excited about their financial goals. And what we had people do in the study is we had them create vision boards. It sounds a little kooky, but people got really excited about it. You can picture exactly what it is you want. This is, You have to do this because most of our decisions are made by our emotional brain. And our emotional brain is focused on the present moment. This is how we've survived as a species. And you need to get future oriented. And the only way to do that is to get really excited about that future. So the clearer you can make it, you know, not just a house, what kind of house, how many rooms, what square footage, what part of town, paint a picture of it, get really excited about it. And then you have to take the second step, which is harnessing the status quo bias, which is what, uh, you know, the people at the gym use to keep you paying um, and to set up an automatic movement of money from your checking or from your paycheck, whatever it is, to those particular goals, naming accounts, ideally, name them after the goal so you can feel it. Um, and then you're very likely to just keep it going the way you do your gym membership, because you have to override, you, ha you basically have to convince yourself that you no longer want to send your child to college or that you no longer want that house or that you no longer want financial freedom to go unwind it. So that's what we found to be the key in our studies. Now, when you say create a vision board, do you mean literally? We literally had people come in the room and they, we had um, poster board and we had magazines and we had scissors and we had markers. We, we literally had them create a visual image. We wanted them to get it, to make it really um, powerful for them. Now, I have a question. I keep yachting magazine in my bathroom. Is that sufficient? No. <laughs> it, it could be. It could be. <laughs> But no, I did. And this is something obviously that we've all. And you know, again, though, I I can remember when you when you said that about the vision board, Brad. When I was a stockbroker, I'm talking 1980, 85. Um, I had a picture of a yacht on my computer screen, and after a while, I just stopped seeing it though. And it didn't. I guess maybe I wasn't being detailed enough in what I wanted to create, but I, you know what, I wasn't visualizing exactly what I wanted. It just having a picture didn't do the job for me. Yeah, I absolutely agree, and that's why um, you got to get the picture. You got to get emotionally excited. You need to overcome this whole status quo bias. I don't want to take action. It, it's a pain in the neck. And then you need to set up an account and then automatically start moving money over, so you don't have to make this decision every month. That's where we fall flat when it comes to our goals. But what if, you have to, what, what if your vision board is full of depreciating assets and then all of a sudden it gets you too excited and you're like, I want them now. I don't want them in 10 years. And you, you know, it, it just ramps you up to uh, spending too quickly. And, and then you're, you're just massive debt because your vision board is full of these things. 
Well, yeah, don't do it that way, Aaron. Yeah. <laughs> um, I thought the end was going to be more complicated than that. So, <laughs> yeah, right. so, no, don't so, do that. Right. No. So, so one of the things I like to do is I, uh, it's kind of similar to the vision board really, is I have what I call my life map. Um, and I, I have a little map, like just like it's like kind of this little thing. It looks, I don't know, maybe I have it here. Oh, I do have it here. For people on video, they can kind of look at it. Ooh, but I have yeah, like, wow. Ooh, I like it. That's yeah, intense. But in, but in the middle, it says living with passion and purpose because that's like how I want to do. And I had the things around it that say like what I like to do, like, you know, my business, my personal development, how to make a positive difference and travel. And you look at this, this, this was on your desk because of this podcast. You actually have this all the time. Yeah, yes. Yeah, I have this to like show me like the that's things really that cool. I do. And it it looks really confusing. You look it, kind of manic. It does. Notes. It does a little bit. It works. I have ADHD. You guys, this this is what works for me. Uh, that's that. That's her one hundred twentieth version I, of it. I have an actual <laughs> diagnosis, and this is what works for me. Uh, but but no. Um, but no. Like it's nice because like I have these boxes that you know, and and some of them overlap, and so that's where the arrows come in to where to where they overlap. But it helps me. Um, look at this and say, okay, if I'm going to spend money, if I'm going to do things, is my money working for me and working for helping me? Like, is it the tool that I need to like accomplish these things um, that help me live with passion and purpose? It's very cool. That's so awesome. we're, we're, we're almost to the midpoint of our show, Brad, but I want, I said at the beginning, the first part, we're going to talk about why we fail to achieve our financial goals. So if I asked you to summarize um, why we fail to achieve things that we ourselves are stating are important, and you had to condense that to a sentence or two, what would you say? I would say that we are wired to not do it. I mean, it is our basic biological wiring. It's our social wiring. For example, saving in and of itself goes against, you know, what we're supposed to be doing in a tribe. Um, you know, you're supposed to be sharing everything. Um, the whole idea of not giving in to, you know, trying to um, out, have our displays of status. Like we always like to tell people, oh, you shouldn't care about what people think. Well, that's impossible. That's absolutely impossible. Yeah. You are going to care about what people think. And social media just inundates us with all these, you know, it's false. It's a false narrative too. Like this isn't actually how most self-made millionaires spend their money. But we, we are seeing, we see all these trappings and luxury watches and sports cars and all this sort of thing. Um, and it, it makes us feel deprived. Um, in psychology, we call it relative deprivation. You 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 basically judge whether or not you're doing okay based on what you see around you. It's not objective; it's very subjective. And so we're constantly feeling like you know we don't have enough stuff right now because it seems like everybody else has way more than we do, which feels like an existential threat. And then we tend to not um, set those long-term goals and stick to them. So actually, essentially, what I'm hearing you say is this isn't my fault. It it is, however. Miranda and Aaron's fault that they can't accomplish their financial goals. That that's what I got that's right. out of the first and money part scripts of our show. lets us uh, you know I, blame our parents and grandparents. I'm doing we can just blame them. Fine, too. thanks. <laughs> but it also allows us to blame our podcast co-host as well. Okay, guys, we are halfway. Now, when we get back, we're going to talk about specific things that we can do, and I'm talking about a list of things you're going to give us, Brad, right, so that we can start sh turning things around today and right? start sh and sh shifting the blame back to wealthy people. That's yeah, right. we're, no, I don't know. Wealthy people are, I think they're okay. Um, anyway, <laughs> we are halfway through our show. So I've got a quick question for you guys. Looking for a way to supercharge your savings without putting your money in the stock or crypto markets? Well, tell us 
That's T-E-L-L-U-S as a mobile app that turns your savings into passive income powered by residential real estate. Earn up to 22 times more than a traditional savings account and withdraw your money at any time. Visit moneytalksnews.com forward slash TELUS, that's T-E-L-L-U-S, to learn more and sign up. Use the code MONEYTALK and you can get a 6% APY for seven days with a $125 minimum deposit. Not not million deposit. Okay, now we are back. It is now time to dig into the nitty-gritty of how we're going to set our financial goals. Oh, but wait, I did have one more message. If you like what we're doing here, folks, do us a favor right this second and uh, share this show with your friends, family, and, of course, subscribe to it. It really helps us. Okay, now, back to the nitty-gritty. Brad, make me an accomplisher of goals step by step. Okay, well, first of all, I just want to say, you know, don't do a budget. I mean, whatever you do. Don't do a budget. Uh, well, no, that I did not expect to hear. Yeah, I did not. No. Yeah. Well, it's just a terrible <laughs> emotional experience. It's it's actually a horrific. Uh, if you really want to um, have a terrible um, time with your partner or your spouse, just go ahead and sit down across the table and start pointing at each other's expenditures and telling each other which ones they need to cut out. You know, what a way to start the new year. I've tried that. It did not work. <laughs> Didn't go so well. Did not go well. It's kind of like the whole idea of diet. And what happens psychologically is when you tell your body you are going to starve it, um, it immediately starts to work against you. It, it Your metabolism slows down. It starts to scan the environment for the fattiest, saltiest, most sugary foods. And the same thing kind of happens with a budget. You know, it, it, you're coming from a sense of deprivation, and it's just a terrible experience, <laughs> unless you're an engineer. Engineers love them. Um, but most most of us don't. And uh, so setting goals like that are just going to backfire. I think it's it's much more exciting to create a spending plan. Oh, how are you going to spend your money? What what do you care about? What are you most passionate about? And so I usually encourage people to like think about what are those top three financial goals. So first of all, you got to name them. Like, what are they? What do you really want? Um, and really connect these things to your values. Why do you want them? Like, what really matters to you? Yeah, that makes sense. And, and and very and it's unusual too. One of the things I, I said, in fact, I think maybe in one of our last podcasts, uh, in that in the book I wrote, I was I was saying like you know a lot of what we do is we, oh well, I want a big house, I want a car, you know, because what we're doing is reflecting what society tells us we should want. But what actually you might want is a little sailboat. I mean, you might want to do nothing. You know, I mean, there's a million things you can want. And first, you have to get in touch with what the hell that is, right? That's right. And, and I'd like to passion test the goals. That would be the second thing passion I suggest. Passion test. I like that. What do you mean? Passion test. Yeah. And to your point, um, like I have, I've done this many times where I sit and I visualize as if I already achieved this goal. This is actually really important. How is it going to feel? Um, and what, and I'll tell you, I, I've stopped doing a lot of things because I realized uh, it'd, it'd be cool for a minute and then I'd be stuck with this thing. I would add, take care of, um, it wasn't really going to give me what I thought it was going to give me. Um, and it, it's a great exercise to, to, um, have because like, for example, one of my goals was I'm going to write, you know, 20 books and I was all excited about it. Um, and then, then I sat and I thought about it and I'm like, why, why do I want to do that? <laughs> What's the point of that? <laughs> um, what, what a silly goal. Um, and so I've actually kept myself from going down directions that didn't really fit with what mattered the most to me by, by actually picturing as if I already had it. Very cool. So that, yeah. So passion testing it. And then as I talked about, and, um, at the at the beginning of part of the segment is then get really specific and visualize what it is those are those things that you want um you know real specific on it like what size boat where would you get it what sort of cost get really specific on it you can you'll never achieve any of these things unless you get really specific because 
once you are aware of what it is, then you can set in those automated processes to achieve those goals. So I'm a huge fan of visualization and the whole concept of manifestation and all that kind of thing. But without a process, you don't get any of it. Okay, so first of all, you have to have the goal. You got to be passionate about it. You got to be excited about it. Then you got to stick a process in place. And the one I like, as I mentioned, naming a goal, like there's nothing worse than a, than a quote savings account. If you have an amorphous <laughs> savings account, it will get you nowhere. It's not attached to anything. Um, three months from now, you're going to look at it. You're going to be like, oh, look, we got two grand in there. What do we want to buy? What do we want to spend it on today? It's a, it's a terrible strategy. You need to set, um, uh, you know, accounts that are specifically named for that goal. Yeah. And then you work backwards and you start, what is, what's the amount of money I want to set aside each month to achieve those goals? And what's so fascinating and incredible about this automation process, you've taken out all the psychological barriers and self-sabotage in achieving those goals. And then eventually you're going to be looking in your account and you're saying, whoa, look, I can't believe how much money we have already for this. It's 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 an amazing and process. And you know, Brand, it seems like at the beginning of the year, what's, what is very common uh, with, with, with financial goals or otherwise, uh, I want to have $10,000 in the bank by the end of the year. I want to pay off all my debt. I want to lose 20 pounds. But these are the types of goals that don't have the passion, right? I mean, do they? Well, it, you know, for me, the, the passion indicator is, has it sparked you to go do the next step, which is setting up the accounts and setting up the automatic money movement? And if you are interrupted in that process, what's happening is, to me, I'm saying you don't want it bad enough. It's not that important to you. Um, you know, because the, the thing about the budget versus spending plan is if you identify what you most want in life around money you're super passionate about, it becomes really easy to cut the stuff that you literally just said you didn't care about as much to achieve those goals. And it goes along, Stacy, with the whole pay yourself first mentality, yeah. right? So you've set these goals. These matter the most to you. These are the most important things. So you're going to allocate money towards those automatically. Then you're going to have a, the rest of this money. And then that's what you're going to be working with for all the stuff that doesn't matter as much to you. Yeah. This is interesting. So to go back to the first thing you said about budgeting, we say this a lot. We, we talk about people going through their budget and trying to find out, you know, what are you overspending on, whether it's like, uh, you know, extra, you know, subscriptions to anything. You're saying, you know, almost like a reverse psychology, go through and say what you want to, what you want to purchase, like a home or something like that. Uh, do when people do this, do they self-actualize? I don't know if that's the right word, but uh, can find out like, oh, you know what, to get there, I'm, I'm going to give up, you know, you know, cigarettes on the weekend, or I'm going to eat out less. Do they do that? It's so much easier to do it that way versus starting by what, where am I going to make the cuts. So, because if you have already decided what matters most to you, it's the thing you're most passionate about. And hey, maybe that's, you know, smoking cigarettes. <laughs> I mean, it's your goal. Um, you know, whatever it is you're going to set for yourself and you've allocated those funds towards it, it, psychologically, it's a lot easier to then look at the rest of the stuff and figure out how you want to allocate it because it's not, you've already, you're taking care of business. And what's so interesting is this is an incredible technique to reduce your financial stress because financial stress quite often is when you're, behaviors are out of line with your values. So you're, you're, you're in misalignment. This is why you're stressed. You know, people are stressed because, oh, I'm juggling with this, but what I really want to do is be saving for that. And I'm not saving for that. That makes you feel bad. It's a, it's a terrible feeling. You're out of integrity with yourself. Um, and so it actually lowers stress. Hmm. It makes a lot of sense. And I, yeah. and I heard what you said too, Aaron, and I never really thought of it that way. It's, it's almost like you're, you're self-budgeting because what you're doing is you're saying, I need this boat so bad Right. And, I, and I'm not seeming to put aside of money. So I better look at my money. We'll see where it's going now so I can put it toward the boat. Right. So you're kind of doing it backwards. You're establishing the right. goal so and you're working in. You're creating your own budget because you want to because you're trying to find money to buy the boat. 
right, right. Yeah. rather than somebody else telling you you know yeah. what you need to do you're, you're going oh this is what i need to do and it's reverberates in your own head and it makes sense yeah you know, I, I Brad, the, here's, oh go ahead go ahead i was Miranda. just gonna say one of the things that i find helps me what and kind of along with what brad was saying is that i like to um periodically go through review my spending um, and list, you know, list the regular things that I'm spending money on, look at those things, and then um, go through and say like, okay, um, let's prioritize. And, you know, it makes it easier to, like what Brad was saying, the stuff at the bottom of the list go, I can knock that off. <laughs> like, I don't need that. Like, that's that's ridiculous. And then the other thing, and I've talked about this before, is I have the, the four questions I ask myself um, before I put money to something, right? Um, the first question I ask myself is, do I need it? Uh, right, food, clothing, the rent, um, wine. The, yeah, the second question. Wine. So you know, the second question I ask, because uh, if the answer is no to the need, then I have to go to the next question. Uh, the next question I ask myself is, does it help me achieve my goals? Does it help me work toward what I value, what what I prioritize? Is it helping me reach this? Uh, the third thing I ask myself. So if the answer is no, then the third thing I ask myself is, is it helping somebody else? Like I donate a lot to charity. Um, you know, back in the day when we were growing, I was like my son's fencing lessons. So like, is it helping somebody else? Is it going to the good in the world or these other things? And then finally, the fourth thing I ask myself is, is it enriching my life? Because, you know, for me, like, do I need symphony tickets? No. Is it really helping somebody else? No. Is it helping me reach my retirement goal? No, but it's enriching my life. And so I like the symphony ticket. And if I can't answer yes to one of those four questions, then I'm done and I don't spend the money. I don't allocate the money to the thing because it really, like, I really have to be able to say, okay, um, take a step back, think about this. And is it really, is the money I spend really doing what I want it to do for my life? My questions are, is my wife going to allow me to have this? Is my wife going to think it's expensive? <laughs> is my See, wife going to allow me to, you know, open, you know, get into my checking account? <laughs> You know what? Is, I actually, I actually I wonder if Aaron's wife is going to let me do stuff. I mean, yeah, we all need a wife like yours, Aaron. <laughs> we all don't. We all have one. Anyway, no, thank God. Uh, may, may I? May I recap? May I recap? Because what? I, what I? What I want to do is I want to make sure people leave this podcast with specific steps they can take. Okay, so let let's recap where we are now. We're, we've got uh, uh, we're visualizing something in intricate detail, right? We're and, and something we're passionate about. And then we're going to automatically fund that. Is, is am I saying this right, Brad? You t you recap for me. Where are we now? Yeah, that's it. It's um, identifying those goals, getting really specific, a clear picture, getting really excited about it. Um, I love Miranda's questions. If it doesn't fit any of those, kick it out. Find another one. This is, has to be something that really matters to you because you're asking your brain to do um, to override its natural impulses. So this has to be something you have to be really excited about. And then automate, automate, automate. This is the key. This is the process that makes makes you a millionaire. This is the process that gets you every single financial goal you ever want is automating. Because if you rely on your motivation or your um, your memory every month to write, sit down and write checks, you will fail. Um, and, you know, like I said, the people who run the gyms know this. Because for you to go cancel your gym membership, think about the mental gymnastics you have to go through. Uh -huh. You're going to have to tell yourself, oh, I guess health isn't important to me. Yeah. Oh, I guess, you know, I don't need a good body. I mean, no, you're going to talk yourself out of it. You're going to be like, no, no, I need to do this. And the same thing happens when it comes to your financial goals. So use that. It harnesses the status quo bias. We're all naturally lazy. 
We don't want to deal with things. So use that to your benefit to achieve those goals. So what I'm hearing you say then, Brad, is that we should go in together on a gym because it sounds like a great idea. This is my <laughs> new goal. I want to I want to harness all these fools to pay me every month. I like that idea. Well, it, it works on me. <laughs> <laughs> so okay, so is this the whole? Is this our whole system? Is it what else? What else do we need to do? Uh, you know, I think that you know there are other more. Um, you know, tips that we talked about really helped you. The one thing I will mention is, you know, budgeting isn't fun, but thankfully they have, uh, you know, account aggregation technology now. So you can just stick in your accounts. I think it's always useful to do that and then look at where your money's going. Um, we used to ask people to track their spending and write down every expenditure, but studies show that that makes you more depressed. <laughs> um, and so people don't want to do it, you know? Yeah. Um, so using those, that, that technology to help, because you will find stuff on there that, and you'll slap your head and you'll be like, how long have I been paying for this thing? Yeah. You know, this website subscription, whatever it is. Oh my goodness. I never use it. So that is a useful exercise. I, I think it's much more fun to start with what it is, you know, why we're saving and investing. Why are we working to begin with? Why yeah. are we doing this? You know, you know actually, it's, it's because we're doing go things ahead, that matter. Ahead, no, I was going to say, you're absolutely right. Um, I, but I think to add to that, once you start practicing these things, because it is, it's psychologically tough to, because most, if you go to the gym, I've been there, you have to physically go down there to cancel it. And that's, you have to talk to somebody. Really? And you have to, you have to yeah. And they try to talk you back into, why well, you want to do that? And then you got to, you know, get out of it. Oh, there's a contract, blah, blah, blah. But once you start practicing these things, it becomes easier. And you'll find like you know, subscriptions on a, I don't know, whatever, you name a name an app or name a website or whatever. Uh, those, the, the um, cancellation is hidden. Those menus are hidden. Right, they don't right. make it easy. Um, but once you start doing it, you go, oh, look, I got a two month to HBO Max or whatever, and it's, it's two bucks, great. Then you put it on your calendar to cancel it, and you actually cancel it because you get used to doing this. And you- That makes sense. Yeah, you know, so. Um, it takes practice. I, we're almost out of time, but I have, a, I have one more question, and I don't know if you hear this very often, Brad. I don't have any goals. I, I really don't. I mean, I, it's, not, it's not that I don't have goals. I have goals. Uh, you know, I, I run my business. I have a great time. But I don't have, I mean, I basically have all the material possessions that I want, because even though I look like a young Brad Pitt, I'm actually an old guy who's been around for a long time and buys pretty much anything he wants to buy. I, I can't... I can remember, you know, being 30 and being really excited about material possessions, you know, and, and you know, fame and fortune. Uh, but now it's like, I'm okay. I, and I don't mean to say that, that I'm in, my life is perfect. If you said to me, Stacy, let's make a really uh, passionate goal for you today. I don't know what the hell I'd say. Is it, do you encounter that? Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, when it comes to like New Year's resolutions, goals, that kind of thing, I'm a huge fan of multiple categories. You know, so like for me, financial goals is one category. Um, you know, connection with others is another category. Self-care is another one. Uh, my spiritual pursuits is another one. I mean, so I'd look at, and, and I think it's great. It's sort of like Maslow's hierarchy of needs, if you remember that from, yeah. from psychology. But basically, we're all worried about survival and safety until we get it. And then we kind of move up to, okay, now I'm going to focus on relationships and building a household, all the way up to trying to figure out the meaning of life, you know, if you really want to get depressed, sit around and think about that for a while. Um, but try to explore, you know, now that I do have resources, what's the point of this? What sort of legacy do I want to leave? Yeah, that's pretty um, much where but, I'm at. It's a big shift that it happens, you know, it, it's it's starting to happen to me. I, I Although I look like a very young man myself. You do. You look like my twin. Like we both look like Brad Pitt in his 30s. <laughs> I think so. I think so. <laughs> and, there, and there's my goal. To be to look like Brad Pitt in his 30s. And you achieved it. <laughs>
my wife would be very, very happy if I accomplished that goal. <laughs> so anyway, by the way, if you do want to know the meaning of life, we have, we're almost out of time, but here it is. It's to make me laugh. That is the meaning of life. Okay, guys, I'm afraid we are out of time, but you know what? We're never out of a topic. Dig deeper. You're going to find links to lots more info in our show notes. And remember, if your goal is to make more, to spend less, to retire rich, or to accomplish your goals, your online home is moneytalksnews.com. And don't forget to check out Miranda's online home as well. That is Miranda Marquit, M-A-R-Q-U-I-T.com. And of course, you want to see Brad, don't you? Go to his website. It's bradklontz.com. That's brad, K-L-O-N-T-Z.com. If you've got a question, comment, or topic you'd like to suggest to us, tell us. Email us at hello at moneytalksnews.com. And one final thing you already heard me say once, I'm going to say it again. If you like what we do, do something for us. Subscribe to our podcast. Doesn't take you very long. Really helps us, though. So if you like us, show us and subscribe. I'm Stacy Johnson. I'm Miranda Markwit. I'm Aaron Freeman. And this is where you're supposed to say your name, Brad. I was supposed to tell you that. Oh, hey, I'm, I'm Dr. Brad Klontz. Awesome. <laughs> Thanks for hanging out with us, folks. We're going to see you right here next time.